recording last week, I remember how I was like, I don't think Kansas City is necessarily like the better team, but I just had that gut feeling they're going to fucking do it. Yeah. Did I throw $100 on KC Moneyline right before the game? Yeah. I mean, easy money. Yeah. I, they I are the better fucking well. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to give – I don't want to get too much into the weeds before we actually start talking about the game, so. Yeah, well, welcome back to Duh, the podcast. We are here and ready to talk Super Bowl 57, finally. Our thoughts on the game are brought to you by our friends Ryan and Mark Flanagan at FlanaganLaw.net. It's tax season, and if that's news to you, then you should head over to FlanaganLaw.net, where Mark and Ryan handle both personal and business tax returns. And if you're already in trouble with the IRS, no worries. They handle that, too. Now on to Super Bowl 57 recap. Chiefs 38, Eagles 35. Jay, you just want to go first? Sure. Under the weather. I am. Um, so apologies. Easy target. Yeah, apologies for how I probably sound. First and foremost, want to shout out Mark and Ryan Flanagan. Helped me out a ton when I was under investigation for money laundering. Got away with just a slap on the wrist and just a $5 million <laughs> fine. But uh, now that that's out of the way, yeah, I will get into the Super Bowl. Um. I believe I was the only one of the three of us that picked the Eagles in the official predictions. So that sucked. And uh, I also hammered the under. Very much incorrect on that as well. So let's get out of the way the things I was wrong on and then get into what I was right on. Uh, first and foremost, I, I'm not that upset as I was initially after the game. Um, I'll just get the the holding call conversation out of the way now. Obviously, it was a ticky-tack call, but it was also correctly called defensive holding. Um, My main issue with the call itself was the fact that that was the first holding call of the game. And given the circumstances, as far as how consequential it was, it basically eliminated any chance the Eagles had of coming back and tying or winning the game. Had that not been called, like it was being let go the the entire game before that, um, and far more egregious holds were let go far before that, um, the Eagles would have gotten the ball back with about 90 seconds, and who knows what happens, down just three. Um, we were robbed of that ending, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is also on the Eagles for <clears throat> allowing the Chiefs to storm back. I mean, the Chiefs ran the ball all over them all day, whether it was Pacheco, uh, McKinnon had a couple big rushes, um, and then Mahomes had his two patented, you know, 20-yard scrambles. I, I know one on that last drive was like 26 yards, I believe, to be exact. Um, so, I mean, and also the Chiefs' game plan as far as, you know, getting the ball out quick, not letting Mahomes, you know, stand back there and take hits against that pass rush. I don't know why everyone was making such a big deal about the whole Eagles got zero sacks, blah, blah, blah. In what fucking world did anyone expect Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare against that defensive line? Didn't expect him to be like, all right, Pat, like you're getting the ball out quick. Uh, We're going to run the ball heavy. 
Like, I just don't understand why that game is such a shock to everybody. Like, it was just a great game plan by the best offensive mind in, in NFL history. Um, to which I will throw this out there. Is Patrick Mahomes a game manager? People are asking. Um, he did his best Jimmy Garoppolo impression. The fact that everyone is, you know, fawning over him as if he lit the world on fire. Like, yeah, he played a really good game. He executed the game plan really well. But, like, let's not act like he was asked to do anything special. Like, he he made the throws that were necessary. Um, most of the time, guys were wide open. He didn't do anything spectacular outside of, I would say, that that 26-yard scramble. That was huge. Um, but, like, his best throw of the game was the fucking touchdown pass to Kelsey. Outside of that, everyone else was fucking butt naked, wide open. Um, a lot of that is scheme, and a lot of that is how uh, effectively they're running the ball. Um, you know, he had less than seven yards in attempt, and we're acting like he, he fucking carried this team to victory. Um, ben Roethlisberger got fucking crucified his last two seasons for having basically the same yards per attempt saying the Steelers were a pop-gun offense, blah, blah, blah. So it's fucking bullshit. Um, so to get more in specifics, Mahomes, bad first half, check. Um, started limping at the end of said bad half, check. Stolen MVP trophy, check. And getting all the credit, borderline, undeserved, check. So with all that being said, I'm pretty okay with being wrong about the final score. Um, the under and, and who ended up winning, uh, especially a little cherry on top as a Steelers fan, AJ Brown completely undressing Juju Smith Schuster on Twitter. What a fucking douchebag Juju is. Hasn't done a goddamn thing since Antonio Brown wasn't on the other side of him and prime Ben Roethlisberger wasn't throwing to him. Um, he's a huge fucking pussy for that. Um, he didn't do shit really. He had a couple key catches on that, uh, the last two drives, but like, again, wide open. He wasn't really, you know, making anybody miss. In that holding call, he barely was even fucking grabbed. Mahomes wasn't even looking his way when that grab even occurred. So, Juju's a bitch. Um, I'm glad. Uh, as, let me backtrack for a second. Also, it was completely uncalled for given the fact that the Eagles have been, you know, super classy about losing. Not a single one of them had even complained about the call. They all said, you know, it's on us. The game doesn't come down to that call, blah, blah, blah. Like, super, super classy about it. Nick Sirianni, of all fucking people, was classy about it. So Juju to come out and do that as if he's even top fucking 50 at his position is disgusting and shameful, and I don't expect anything less from quote-unquote TikTok boy. So, Team AJ Brown got a new fan out of me, and, uh, yeah, that pretty much wraps up my my whole view of the game. Chiefs deserve to win, you know, even if the Eagles went down and tied the game and it goes to overtime or Mahomes gets the ball back with, you know, 20 seconds left, they probably still win. It's just the nature of the beast. So, um, final thought, Jalen Hurts, as expected, outplayed Mahomes. Should have won MVP, even a loss, a la LeBron James. Should have won finals MVP against the Warriors, but I digress. Uh, Josh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I guess I'll start with the refs. 
uh, since you brought that up first. Um, I thought overall the the game was called really well. Uh, they did let them play. I did think they missed a call in the first half, another defensive hold on Juju. Um, having made that call would have made their call at the end of the game kind of a no-brainer because, you know, the precedent would have been set. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that, like, that shouldn't have been the first holding call of the game. Yes, it was holding, but the way they were calling it, it, it sucks that they missed that first one or deemed it, un, like, uncallworthy, whatever happened. But it definitely led to the asterisks on the second holding or the first holding call. Um, and then I guess we'll start with the Eagles because they played absolutely insane. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts had like 300 yards, three rushing touchdowns. If he wouldn't have fumbled and basically handed the Chiefs six points, like we'd probably be talking about a, a different outcome right now. So it sucks with how well he played, how large of a mistake he made. Um, you know, especially when they right before that they were third and one you know, ready to dive forward, do that unstoppable play and and pick up a new set of downs, false start, and then handing the Chiefs six points is a big twist. Um, and then, you know, Mahomes, which, which you called a game manager, I would debatably give him a purple heart for his performance out there. I mean, with the hits he took right before halftime, basically shattering his ankle to come out and have one incompletion in the second half. That's absolutely insane. And yeah, he game out everyone was wide open. I mean, he made the throws he needed to make one incompletion, which was a smart throwaway to avoid a sack and then 40 rush yards of his own. I mean, I think he earned MVP with the way he played in the second half. It's a lot easier to throw only one in completion when you're throwing the ball five, seven yards downfield. And, yes, I did forget about – I didn't mention, rather, the, the Hurts fumble. Yeah, I, I would agree that that definitely – if he doesn't do that, um, the game potentially goes the other way. Um, but also there is a, a crucial uh, poor play call by the Eagles um, on their last drive <clears> that <throat> they ended up punting the ball back. Um, there's a third and two, and for some reason they threw the ball um, and, and Hurts. Um, there was a Willie Gay was unblocked. Dan Orlovsky did a, a really good breakdown on it today, um, but he had to roll out and throw the ball away, and they punt instead of the other every other third and two or shorter or fourth down, whatever. Um, they ran the ball, and they were six for six up until that one. So I think uh, that was a, a big play-calling mistake as well. Um, <clears throat> but – yeah, um, sorry, let you finish. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to say. I mean, the Eagles clearly the main the main difference in the game was the Eagles getting out coached. I mean, they had no answers for anything the Chiefs did in the second half. I mean, the Chiefs showed showed one thing, went into something different, and the Eagles had no clue how to react. Yeah, especially the uh, the. The second and third touchdown passes were the same play, just on the flip side of the field, um, which I thought was just ridiculous. 
he was just rubbing their face in it at that point. Yeah, especially when one of the pre- people who caught it was fucking Sky Moore. Yeah, for her first touchdown of uh, the season just comes in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so moral of the story, moral of my breakdown, refs deserve a Nobel Peace Prize, and Patrick Mahomes deserves a Purple Heart. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a good note to close on. All right. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it is – it's been a long and beautiful ride. I guess I can just start by saying if you don't love me at my Todd Haley and Matt Castle, you don't deserve it at Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on the borderline of a dynasty. So it has been good to pay my dues, especially now that they've got a second one under their belt. And I honestly do think no bullshit like this was a rebuilding year and they will be better next season. Not to mention, I'm just continually getting presents every day of the week like it's fucking Hanukkah. And now that Derek Carr is going to be out of the division, I can fully hate the Raiders again as well. So it is a great week to be a Chiefs fan. I'm on top of the world playing my pan flute. And (laughs) (laughs) and, um, as far as the game goes, I think you both made great points, so I'm not going to revisit a ton of shit. I think the better team won. I think the real outcome, as much as you want to talk about the field and the refs, was both defensive lines getting hyped up, you know, as the best two in the league, even though statistically they kind of were, and really the two offensive lines dictating the game. I mean, the Eagles did whatever they wanted on offense this end, The Chiefs did whatever they wanted in the second half, but even in the first half, they couldn't touch Mahomes. And the one statistical sack was basically Jalen Hurts just running out of bounds. No one touched him. He borderline gained a yard in the process. So it was a great game. It does suck to kind of end with the taste that it did. And I honestly got to give Greg Olson some shit. I love him as a player and love him um, in the booth this year. I think he's done a great job. But it pissed me off that he instantly called in real time that that was a terrible, like, ticky-tack bullshit call. And it made everybody watching instantly feel the same way and, like, ruin it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get what he was feeling. Like, I get it. Did you get it? I get it. But to actually say it on the broadcast and basically have everybody have that feeling to end the Super Bowl with kind of pissed me off, especially as a Chiefs fan. Like, it was stealing my enjoyment, kind of, when they did just play a masterfully coached game. Not to mention, he would have been screaming for a flag if that was him running that route, too. Juju didn't even call for a flag, really. Like, the ball, he was not catching that regardless. Like, where the hold occurred and what transpired afterwards, it was a ticky-tack call, albeit, yes, by definition, by rule, it's defensive holding. But, like, there was 10 or 15 other far more egregious holds, whether it was on the line or downfield in coverage, that could have been called and should have been called if that has been called. So, like, a lot of the people that are speaking out, I mean, a lot of well-respected, uh, people 
in the media that I actually don't necessarily hate. Like I'm, I'm a Mark Schlereth guy. He said it best, you know, like you can't call that there as the first holding call. You just can't do it in that situation. That cannot be the first one. That was the weakest one of the entire game. And that's the one you pick out in that scenario. That's everybody's main gripe. I do think, I do think it directly prevented a touchdown. I totally disagree. Juju ran a 4-6 out of college. That ball was 10 yards over his head regardless. He was not catching that ball. Yeah, anyway. he got held twice on the route. I think it made the difference. It no. definitely made it a difference from being very know. close. As No, Juju's not catching that regardless. Right. I'll meet you both kind of in the middle here. So I think, again, you're both kind of making <laughs> good points. Josh, I think the one in the first half was worse for sure, like that definitely should have been called on that. Totally agree. And, but in the same way that they didn't call it, maybe it set the precedent that, you know, I'm not saying makeup calls are or should be a thing, but it's like, we don't know. Maybe they had a conversation in game where it's like, you know, we let you get away with that one. Like, you got to take it easy. They brought up the whole whether you want to believe it or not, like white jerseys black gloves thing where it's more obvious to even see and another point is he was still basically running that in and out route that they scored the two wide open touchdowns on so I feel like the precedent was also set that this defense this defense this defense can't (laughs) possibly this defense cannot possibly cover this play like we've seen it happen twice in a row and now here again, I do think the ball was kind of uncatchable, but it is, even in real time, when they showed the instant replay, you were like, oh, okay. It, it was like, oh, that's lame, but it, it it wasn't a blown call. I totally disagree. In real time, I I was like, awesome, like, the Eagles get the ball back, let's go. And then the, then the flag fucking thing came out of the bottom. And I was like, you cannot be fucking serious. Like, and then they showed the replay from all angles. Like, again, yeah, it obviously is going to look way worse in slow-mo up close. But, like, Juju has 20 fucking pounds on Bradbury. He barely grabs him at the very, very beginning of the route. And, again, where the ball ended up going, and Mahomes wasn't even looking at him when the fucking foul transpired, like, and the ball wasn't out or anything. Like, I, I just – I – Again, we keep harping on this. If they had been calling that consistently throughout the game, much like last year, the the Logan Wilson ticky-tack holding calls um, at the end of that Rams game-winning drive, like that was being called throughout the game. So as much as I hated the calls, even as someone that had money on the Rams and wanted the Rams to win, like I hated the calls, but I was like, all right, well, at least it's been something they've been calling throughout. And on top of that, you know, T. Higgins stiff arming Jalen Ramsey uh, to catch a touchdown pass also kind of made me feel a little better about it. But regardless, at least at that point, it had been consistently called, um, with the exception of that. This game, not a single holding call on either line, either secondary. Again, the one third down you guys keep bringing up about Bradbury and Juju, that one was 10 times worse. And that one you can legitimately say was A, catchable, and B, directly affected Juju's ability to catch the ball. This one, there's, I'm sorry, just I, I've been watching Juju play forever since he was at USC, and I would die defending every other USC player except for him now. 
um, he's not catching that ball regardless. And again, it ended the game. That's the thing that really pissed me off. Like that call right there completely ended the game, took the wind out of everyone's sails. Even as a Chiefs fan, I feel like I would have hated like for the game to end that way. Like I would feel it would be bittersweet. Um, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers Bengals playoff game a few years ago when they literally went down the field kicking that game winning field goal against, uh, the Bengals after all those fucking calls. Like, I didn't even feel great about that. Cause I was just like, God damn, like it doesn't even really feel like a win. Like we got down the field just on penalties. Um, that's just like why I don't like it so much. It, had they been calling it throughout the game, it would be almost a non-factor. People would, would definitely come out and say like, Oh yeah, that was weak, whatever. But that would really be the extent of it. It wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be the outrage there is <clears throat> now with it being the the first and only holding call of the fucking game. And it definitely sucks. Bradbury shot himself in the foot. Like, I appreciate him taking the high road, but, like, <laughs> he certainly didn't help his case. And then, obviously, when Juju came out and did that dumb shit uh, today or yesterday, whenever it was, um, it was yesterday. Uh, he had tweeted and deleted a bunch of shit, but yeah. Brad Bray, I don't know why he did it in the first place. It's not like Juju's any fucking good. And it's not like he fucking needed to grab him in the first place, but he did it. I get it. I mean, it's third and eight, uh, a must stop situation against, against the Chiefs of the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, no, again, uh, it, the call is a, is a non-factor had they been calling it consistently throughout the game, but they didn't. That's why it looks so bad. Well, two things. I think, that I agree. No one wanted to watch the game end like that, and it sucks that Bradbury put the refs in that situation where they had to make a decision. Um, he he shouldn't have held. He should have just let it play out. Like if he was beat, he beat. Like I think even if the Chiefs score a a touchdown there, you know that obviously gives the Eagles a chance to respond. Whereas you know getting the penalty getting the first down, being able to run the clock to zero is what really changed everything. So for both reasons, it, it does suck that, that he did hold them or even make it like, even make it ticky tacky where they could call it either way. But it does suck watching, watching a game that, that was that interesting and end on a penalty for a first down. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like, we went from having a top three Super Bowl of all time to like one of the worst endings ever. Yeah, I'm not going to let it ruin my Super Bowl experience, so I still thought it was a really good game. I had a great time for 58 minutes. And Kadarius Tony scored a touchdown. I mean, I told you all last week, free money, Kadarius Tony, anytime touchdown. Actually, but, and you said don't bet it repeatedly. Yeah, I was obviously being sarcastic. Our smart listeners knew <clears throat> I was being a sharp and had it the entire time. I said I was taking it. I told everybody else not to take it so I could just win all the money myself. <laughs> Is that how gambling works? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In my mind. <laughs> in my mind. They're like, holy shit, no one's betting on this. We'll pump the odds up. <laughs> <laughs> and I doubled down. No one else knew. He deserves <laughs> right. it all. He borderline deserves MVP. But I, Don't you I, start the MVP conversation again. 
we can, if we have time, do our personal maybe top two or three MVP picks in a second. But I just also felt like the entire second half, maybe you agree or disagree, that the Chiefs were going to win the game. Like, hypothetically, they get the stop there. There's no call. They kick the field goal. The Eagles still have, they have 90 seconds to go the, go the distance of the field. Obviously, if they could score a touchdown, that would be for the lead and possibly the win. But the most likely outcome is they can kick a field goal to at least tie or they get stopped. And then the Chiefs, who have been moving the ball at will, still get the ball back with like 20 to 30 seconds, like 20 to 30 seconds left, if you said, like you said, or the game goes into overtime. So, I mean, again, I still feel like the Chiefs were heavily favored to win based on how things were going, even if it didn't shake out exactly like it did. Same thing in the AFC Championship game. When it ended on a penalty that way, too, it's like people forget he got the first down, ran out of bounds to stop the clock, and they still had like 15 whole seconds to run another play when they were already in field goal range, basically. Like, it, it, the game ended on a penalty, but it wasn't decided by a penalty. I feel like that's the best way to put it. Uh, I mean, you can't really say it wasn't decided when it didn't even give the Eagles a chance. Like, yeah, you could say they got the ball back with fucking six seconds left, and I don't know what on God's green earth that play call was at the end. Um, but like, it completely took the Eagles' potential to respond out, out of question. Um, that's, that's I mean, what, er, I mean, that, Arizona like, Butker gave him a chance when he missed the field goal, and you know, Jalen Hurts took away a chance when he just gave the ball away. You know what I mean? And there was another play that was they. I mean, I think it was the right call, but it was a play they called a defensive touchdown on the on the field, and they overturned when Miles Sanders, who played debatably the worst on the Eagles offense. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't come down to one penalty. Like I said, it, it ended on a really low note, but it, it didn't decide the game. Again, yes and no, but like it does take the, the Eagles capability of even tying the game out of it. Um, I mean, it completely took, it drained the clock. Um, yeah, I, I would totally agree. The second half, the Chiefs, just like the Eagles did in the first half, they won that half, so to speak. And the Eagles won the first half, obviously. But, like, the fact that they didn't have a chance to to tie it or for the Chiefs to stop them or to take the lead, potentially win, um, really cementing Jalen Hurts um as a as an elite elite quarterback, you know, not just top five or six or ten, wherever you guys may have him, um, but I right, have him at two. right there with you know Mahomes, Burrow, um, and Josh Allen, at least on my list. Um, so I, I think Mahomes hurts. That's where that's where it sucks for me. Um, again, this conversation is not going nearly this long if they had called the other ones in earlier in the game. That's the issue. Yeah, I get it. I um I also did I think bring up last week that if Jalen Hurts did play his ass off, even if they lost, I would give him his flowers. 
And he certainly did that. I mean, he, he did play a damn near perfect game outside of, well, I can't, I can't even say damn near perfect game because he just gifted the other team a touchdown, but he does get extra points for responding directly after that and not letting it face him. I mean, their offense looked like the Chiefs offense in the second half all game, like they were moving the ball at will. He was calm. He was super, you know, professional as always after the game. He's going to get paid. He deserves it. So all props to him because I haven't and, brought that up yet. And, I mean, and Watkins and Smith had two massive drops in that game too in, uh, I believe, on drives where they didn't end in a touchdown. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, even, even after the fumble, they, had, they scored 10 unanswered points to close out the first half. So, like, Yes, obviously that was huge, but like to Josh's point earlier, and I've briefly touched on it as well. Like you go into halftime twenty four fourteen, like you got to close out that game. I'm sorry. Um, obviously the Chiefs got the ball back and they went down the field and scored, so that made it a, a one score game pretty much instantly in the second half. But like the way you're moving the ball in the first half and throughout the whole game, like you you got to continue to play downhill and you got to close that game out which again comes back to the penalty like yes it did effectively decide the game but also yes the Eagles had plenty of chances to not let it get to that point which is my personal conundrum with the outcome of the game shall we move on to the XFL some post Super Bowl things that are happening. Yeah, shout out to the Eagles for losing the Super Bowl and then instantly losing both coordinators, especially their defensive coordinator after a masterfully coached second half in said Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I felt like the Cardinals were willing to hire anyone who would take the job. I feel like if I just sent a quick email to like of my resume to the Cardinals owner, I would have at least gotten an interview. If I just like attached like a file of a couple like flag football highlights <laughs> and like episodes one through four or three, whatever we're on now of this podcast, I would have at least gotten an interview. How many coaches do you think you said no to the job because of Kyler? <clears throat> I honestly feel like while Cliff Kingsbury was on his first class flight out to Thailand, he just sent out a bunch of texts and was like, don't you fucking dare take this job. <laughs> like, I just feel like he really burned the place down on the way out. And frankly, rightfully so. As someone that is a used to be uh, a diehard Kyler guy, I mean, I still kind of am, but he has proven to be such a little fairy and, like, priss about, like, literally everything. Um so, I mean, I can see where he's kind of a nightmare to work with, but I just think it's so funny that they hired a, a defensive head coach after having a guy who was, like, all in on Kyler for the last four years. That's my biggest thing is Kingsbury was supposed to be the guy for Kyler. Like, he re- hasn't he been recruiting him since high school. He was stalking him like a pedophile for his entire life. Like, he – like, they took a chance on him as a coach – purely because of his relationship with Kyler Murray coming out of the college coaching realm. 
So the fact that it completely melted down with him, it just sends a message to everyone like this is a outright disaster. And again, his contract looks so bad currently that it's not like you can trade him. So I have no idea what they're going to do, especially with Seattle being way better than expected. I think the Rams being, you know, better than this year and obviously the Niners being good again, like they are far and away the dumpster of that division moving forward. I honestly don't even agree with that, to be honest. I think the NFC West next year, outside of San Fran, depending on what they have at quarterback, I think the entire NFC West is going to go from, like, two, three years ago being, like, by far and away the best in the NFL to being almost equivalent to the NFC South. I think the Seahawks are going to take a major step back. Um, I think... John Schneider is going to John Schneider in this draft uh, this time and go back to his Bruce Irvin and James Carpenter in the first round ways. Um, uh, the Cardinals are doing God knows what. One, Kyler is going to miss, I think, like the first, at least the first five or six games, I think, coming back from the ACL. Yeah, I believe that as well. Um, probably be more than that. They're probably gonna, they're going to do – there, there's no way they keep D-Hop. Um, and then J.J. Watt retires on an already bad defense. Like, I, I just don't really know where they go. They do have Hollywood Brown. And then the Rams. I mean, Aaron Donald is not getting any younger, and this was probably his worst season as a pro, which, albeit, is still really fucking good. But, like, age is, I mean, obviously catching up to him. Stafford has an elbow injury. I can attest to that. No, not good. McVay is like halfway out the door as it is. So uh, I think that NFC West is going to be pretty interesting and shitty next year overall. What if they re-sign Baker? Baker needs. I don't know where I want Baker to go. To be honest, Let, yeah, we should we should get into that. Let's do some uh, uh, quarterback predictions on, on the market. Yeah, let's start with Derek Carr because he said a big fuck you to Vegas. I was <laughs> like, I'm not getting traded. You're gonna, ha- you're not getting shit for me, and just force their hands into cutting him. Yeah, good for him. But I'll let Sherm go first because this is his man. Um, yeah. Last note on the Cardinals. I was gonna say, Jay, I do agree with you. The whole division probably will take a step back, but they'll still be at the bottom of the shit pile. <laughs> uh, uh, Baker needs what he most needs first and foremost is a diet and moving on to Derek. God, I really don't even know where I have zero idea where he's going to go because there's so many other dominoes that need to fall like Aaron Rodgers mainly. I honestly feel like that's kind of the other big one. Those are going to be the big two. Uh, he could end up in the NFC South just because it's a dumpster fire. As, or I, uh, yeah, the NFC South, because it's just a dumpster fire as well. He could easily win a division, <clears throat> even a similar, not I don't want to say Raiders-esque situation, but just not on a good team, but the, act, the division will actually be bad enough that he can still win it by elevating his teammates. 
So we could be having a discussion of rightfully, finally, him as a top 10 quarterback on the general sports media. But I don't know. I, if you're asking where I want him to go, New York would be sick. And I don't know. Why Why would Carolina be sick, too, just because of who they have? What are you guys feeling? I, th- I was confused about his, like, visit to New Orleans and then saying, don't trade me. Was that because he didn't want to go to New Orleans or because he liked New Orleans, he just didn't want the Raiders to get anything in return? So I think he'd be – I think he'd have a lot of success there, too. I think it's a combination, um, but I also think he wants to play the field as well. Um, you know, I don't think he wants to just jump right into something – instantly without seeing like the rest of his options because like if I had to pick what I think is the best landing spot for him I would say probably Carolina just because it's a a super winnable division if he's the guy there Um, and B you know Frank Ruck is a really really well respected coach he got fucking shafted by a fucking neurotic cokehead in Jim Irsay um I, I think Carolina's going to make the playoffs next year just by default. Again, uh, that division division sucks. Brady's gone. The Bucks are going to definitely be uh, in rebuild mode since their entire roster average age is like 34. Um, so I think Carolina makes the most sense for him because offensive coach, well-respected coach. You got DJ Moore. Um they they draft generally pretty well. J.C. Horn could stay healthy. Um, I like the left tackle they got last year from uh, NC State. So, I mean, they, they got some good pieces there, and uh, they're on the up and up. Um, I don't like the Jets move, really, just because I, I can't see Derek in the New York market. And I think they're also old, honestly. I do like, yeah. the, I do like the Panthers fit, just to chime in. Frank Reich and Derek, both two guys who are probably a lot better than they actually get credit for, teaming up. Because, I mean, Christ, oh, just to chime in on what you said, Josh, sorry to interrupt, Jay. Fucking, they, I think it was just the best case scenario for him to just let them cut him because it was, A, a fuck you to them for benching him where now that they cut him, they have to pay him dead money and get nothing in return. And now instead of trading his contract, which was kind of incentive heavy, now he can just get a completely brand new contract. So even if it went well and he did want to play in New Orleans, he could just be like, he literally could have walked in and said, hey, I'll sign with you guys, but I want these idiots to cut me first and then I'll come back in the door. Yeah, I was just confused on the timing, why he didn't just demand a release before even taking that visit. Well, they he had a no-trade clause as well. He I'll had a no-trade clause. So he, they couldn't do – if they wanted him off the team, the only thing they could do was cut him. Yeah, they probably waited because they waited like the last second or like the last hour to, to cut him. So they probably were just like, hey, man, like we're sorry about how shit went down, like – can we please trade you kind of thing? And he was just, yeah, like, just fuck you. It's so, the deadline is February 15th, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Carolina, um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I think 
it's pretty much set in stone at this point. I think it's he's staying in Green Bay or it's the Jets. But also wild card, I could definitely see Vegas, and I think Tennessee makes sense too. Um, I just don't see how Vegas pulls it off with the Devontae Adams contract, the Max Crosby contract, what they just signed Chandler Jones to last year, and now paying Derek Carr, like, what I think his dead money hit is like 40 mil. So, like, I don't see how they pull that off. Um, but who fucking knows? Especially, I'm sure, Aaron Rodgers, after, like, what he's had the last five years with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, I'm sure he would be like, uh, if I'm coming there, you're fucking re-signing Josh Jacobs. So that just makes it even harder to bring his contract on. So I don't think that's realistic, despite the Devontae Adams thing. Um, so I think he's either staying and just going to ride it out and – in Green Bay, or he's going to the Jets because they're just so desperate and uh, Hackett is the OC. Was it the yeah. Jets that liked um, Tannehill too? I thought I think I saw that. Yeah, so I feel like the Jets, the Jets, the the way I've been like reading it, interpreting it is like Aaron Rodgers is like their fucking guy. But if that if he chooses to like stay or retire or or not even or just go elsewhere, then they would get into the the Garoppolo Ryan. Oh, okay. Business. The Nathaniel Hackett hire to lower in Aaron Rodgers attempt to. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like either way, like Hackett, like his system, it's built more for guys like that rather than as we saw with with Russell. And plus, in general, I think Hackett is just better served as a as an OC. Yeah, the Raiders are absolutely fucked and can't even afford Rodgers at this point. I mean, McDaniels is on his last life as a head coach and tried to use Derek as a scapegoat, but he was literally holding that ship above water by himself for the past nine years. And, I mean, I honestly just feel bad for Devontae Adams at this point because I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them, but it's not Aaron Rodgers and it's not anybody better than Derek. And once Rodgers either resigns, retires, or goes to New York, like you said, then I just think Garoppolo and everybody else will be the last dominoes to fall wherever there's still empty space. Yeah, I don't it's, feel that bad for Devontae Adams. I mean, at, at some point when you accept a contract that big. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad for him. Pieces around you are going to take a hit. Yeah. Well, especially I, since Green Bay offered him a similar – I'm pretty sure it got reported that Green Bay offered him more money, but he was yeah. just, like, dead set on playing in Vegas – or just playing for the Raiders because that was his team growing up. True. I mainly just feel bad for him in the sense that Derek is his best friend and he basically went there to play with him and he, he was playing well. And it's honestly just disappointing that they did what they did because they would have been better next year, like second year in the same system. And it's not like Adams wasn't producing and Jacobs had a great year and Derek still had a bunch of game-winning drives at the end of the season, but it's a completely new coach for, what, the sixth or seventh time in nine years? Oh, don't don't you dare bring up the coach thing and then talk shit about Baker Mayfield. I'm not literally shit. I just said he was fat. I never he, said he was bad. He has a four-pack. He I'll has a four-pack. Four He's kind of fat. I'll show you a real man's four-pack. 
dude, Baker. All right, yeah, let's get into let's get into fucking Baker Mayfield, the most disrespected human being in NFL history for no goddamn reason. Yeah, um, not going to get any arguments here. All right, <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say no reason because like he did go overboard sometimes with his douchiness, even for me. He did but, like, win a playoff game with the Browns, so that more than makes up for it. Not only did he win that Sean Watson ever does that. Debatably should have won too. Yeah, I, like he literally like Stefanski taking the ball out of his hands when he was playing so well in that Chiefs game. I'll never forgive him for that because Lafleur did the same thing to Aaron Rodgers in the Buccaneers NFC Championship that season too. Anyway, um, I think Spiegel actually that's actually a perfect segue because I think the perfect fit for Baker is Tampa. Um, Bruce Arians uh, obviously he's not the coach anymore and doesn't have uh doesn't have any say in like play calling and shit but uh he's still working there in terms of personnel goes and he loves his pocket quarterback with a big fucking arm and a little moxie so uh, Jameis Winston yeah I think a Jameis reunion makes sense there as well I would love that I would too but I'm not sure if Jameis would love it just given how it ended albeit it's like yeah you got replaced for Tom Brady but still Send Jameis um, to New York. Well, um, I mean, Tampa Bay does just have Kyle Trask in house as well. That's not yeah, don't. Them. I mean, don't. You don't even fucking know Kyle Trask, bro. He is on our dynasty team. But <laughs> Baker, I think Baker to Tampa makes former a ton dynasty of team makes a ton of sense. <sighs> Him and Mike Evans, I think, are a really good fit for a gunslinger that just likes to throw the fucking ball deep. Uh, when Mike Evans is really only good at running go routes anymore. Um. Yeah, that's that's it for my Baker talk. I'll keep the Baker stuff to a minimum today. Is there anything else we want to talk about in the NFL world? Uh, Super Bowl MVP is who you got. Who's your guy? Travis Kelsey. Josh. Uh, Jalen Hurts. No, Dick. It has to be <laughs> a team that won. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of helped them win. He was the most important <laughs> player on the Chiefs team. I mean, honestly, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm going Kadarius, longest punt return in Super Bowl history. And, again, shocking, Josh, how when we were watching the entire first half, a la when the Chiefs weren't playing well, um, he was never on the field. And then he seemed to just be out there every drive in the second half where they were scoring drawing triple coverage yeah it is understated it is understated how much like attention and eyes he draws and but just, just we have an entire point. all season to get into Kadarius tony just to connect all the threads i mean juju is a huge pussy jay like he was only getting open because three guys were eyeing the next tyree kill Literally not even running a route, just turning around for a bubble screen and, like, four guys take two steps towards him. Yeah, well, that's why I, that's why I picked Travis Kelsey because, A, um, he led the team in receptions and yards, had the, the first touchdown, and, and just the amount of attention uh, he, he draws and allows their suck-ass receiving core to uh, to get as open as, as they do. Uh, he, he really is up there with uh, Tony Gonzalez as the best and Gronk as the best receiving tight ends uh, in modern history. I'll actually take Jarek McKinnon as yeah. my MVP. My Over Pacheco. Thank you. Dude, dude, 
It's <laughs> Pacheco <laughs> turning down the opportunity at a Super Bowl touchdown. Maybe the only chance you'll have in your career to to go down at the one and ensure the victory. I uh, forget about that. Honestly, that's a kind that's, of a that's, good call. that's a team first guy. That's an MVP move. Yeah, but Pacheco is a dog. This is what I'm saying. Like Sky Moore is a rookie. Tony is making no money for the next three years. Pacheco was a seventh round pick. All the rookies in the secondary, like, they're going to be better next year, and we're going to hear in the offseason about how good the AFC West is. Yeah, from you, the AFC West biggest fan? No, no. I've washed my hands. I've washed my hands now that Derek is gone. You know I've always hated the Chargers and Broncos with a passion, especially now that Russ is in town. But, yeah, now I have no reason to respect the Raiders after they have thrown away the best thing that's debatably ever happened to them since John Madden. (laughs) Probably wouldn't go that far considering they were in the Super Bowl like 20 years ago. The best thing that happened to them since Rich Gannon. You you mean John Gruden? (laughs) Specifically his emails? Specifically, yeah, the second round of John Gruden. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was a, what, like a ten million dollar a year contract. Yeah, it was like ten years, a hundred million dollars. <laughs> They're so smart. They're probably just still paying him. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there is something else. Oh, uh, we didn't. We didn't really touch on the Colts hiring uh, the Eagles OC. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know much about the Eagles OC. I mean, their offense was good this year, so if that's an indication, then I guess it's a good hire. He was was with the Chargers, (laughs) with the Chargers um, in the past, so he he worked with like Herbert and Phillip Rivers before going to the Eagles. Uh, I mean, so they must have an idea of what they want to do with quarterback. Yeah, so would be the indication. Orlovsky said today that he thinks it, they're going to go in the Will Levis or Anthony Richardson route. I disagree totally. I think um, – well, Ursa already came out and said he's, like, enamored with Bryce Young. Um, but, so I think they're going to go Bryce Young or Stroud personally. Um, I'm not going to give too much away as the college football expert in the group, but I would go Levis as my quarterback one in a overall – weak quarterback class. Um, I'm already getting my fucking tits hard for uh, before Drake May and Caleb, which, oh my God, speaking of Caleb Williams, dude, Nick fucking right, as if he wasn't insufferable enough, has already dick riding Caleb Williams because someone made a fucking Patrick Mahomes comp, and he made like a, a fucking quarterback pyramid the other day. And he already has Caleb Williams as, like, the seventh best quarterback in the NFL, even though he's still in college. So I can't have anything nice. You'd think is- that'd go the other way. You'd think he'd be insulted that anyone compared anyone to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you would fucking think. But, you know, he's just he's just ruins everything for me. I, I can't have anything. USC is relevant again, thanks to Lincoln Riley. And Caleb Williams, and I can't even enjoy that because of that fucking little dweeb. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not necessarily going to say that that's accurate to put him there, but are there even seven good quarterbacks in the NFL? 
Well, I was going to say, just kind of zero percent chance. There's maybe five. He also put Trevor Lawrence. He put Trevor Lawrence at three, just to give you an idea. Yeah, I mean, who did he have at two? Uh, Burrow. His top five, I believe, was uh, in no particular order. I mean, obviously Mahomes was one, but he had Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Lawrence, and I believe Herbert. Because we all know he's a fucking Josh Allen hater, just like you two. Yeah, there's I no mean, way he had Josh Allen in his top five. I mean, I think all five of those quarterbacks are, I don't want to say easily, but probably easily better than Josh Allen. <laughs> you, dude, you are so <laughs> fucking dumb. It is, like, I'm, I'm sick as it is, and I just got more sick based on that stupid-ass statement. Um, Josh, didn't you say the Bills are already like Super Bowl co-favorites for next year? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I they're, mean, they're second in line. The Vegas will never learn. I, I was mean, gonna say, fine, keep Josh, taking people's money. That's, and I mean, Josh Allen opened as the co MVP favorite with Mahomes, and people are always like, they don't love him that much. Yeah, I don't get the the Buffalo hype, especially given all the issues they're about to encounter. Um, I still think they're the team to beat in the AFC East next year, but I think depending on whether or not the Dolphins and Jets, one or the other, gets Lamar Jackson uh, or Aaron Rodgers for in the Jets world, um, I think they're still the team to beat. Need I remind you, Bill O'Brien was hired. Valid, valid bag. God, the Mac attack. What up? Mac Jones feet Bill O'Brien. Oh, that. Speaking of, uh, that sounds like a platinum record to me. <laughs> we we uh we didn't touch on uh Josh, your team, the Ravens hiring Todd Munkin out of my University of Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know much about college football as you are the podcast expert, so I don't <laughs> really have too many thoughts. My my main takeaway is I just feel bad for him because Baltimore Ravens fans will be blaming him for a subpar offense in less than five weeks. Well, to ease your pain, the Georgia offense the last two seasons has been very tight end heavy. <laughs> so they hired the perfect guy for the job. But no, I mean, Munkin, Munkin did some good things. I mean, he had Stetson Bennett looking like, I mean, Stetson Bennett's going to get drafted in the second round yeah. this year. Um, I mean, he did good things there. I just think that our fan base is, like, relentless on offensive coordinators, at least over the past, like, decade. So I feel like regardless of who's actually to blame, our fan base will get their teeth in Todd Moncton. Um, or you'll just be in the ultimate twilight zone where, like, six weeks into the season, Ravens Twitter will just be, like, bring back Greg Raven. <laughs> That's honestly, I'm expecting that Watch to out. When Lamar Jackson regresses for the third straight season and is done playing by week 13. Um, but Munkin, I mean, he, he's not a bad OC. I think, uh, you know, the talent that Georgia has um, made him, elevated him rather, to uh, a certain status. Uh, I mean, he was the OC in Cleveland for the Browns in 19 when uh, their first season with Odell, uh, when him and Jarvis had both had 1,000 yards, but Baker played pretty poorly. Um. So I mean, it, I I think it's a, a reasonable hire, but like I I think personally, 
Um, if I were the Ravens and I really wanted to make a sexy hire to try and entice Lamar to stay for not as much money as he wants, I would have gone like the the B enemy route or, or something along those lines. But LaShawn McCoy just went on a podcast the other day and just ripped the enemy, saying like the reason why he's not getting jobs is he treats players like shit. So who fucking knows? My thing is too with that, like if you're going the Eric sleeping with the enemy route, why <laughs> if you're if you're him, why the fuck would you ever leave Kansas City and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes if you're not going to get a what would be considered good head coaching job? You know what I mean? Like why not be the OC there, still get a ton of credit? continue to be a contender and in the Super Bowl every year that, you know, that regime is still in place. Why go to Baltimore with lesser weapons, not knowing if Lamar is even going to be there or any other team when you have Patrick Mahomes, unless it's going to be your team 100%. That's, I just never get that. And that's like, regardless of the type of person he is, which I've heard those things over the years too. Like there's reasons he's not getting a head coaching job, but why would you leave unless it's a primo job anyway? Well, I heard that like, uh, you know, there's rumors that Andy Reid's calling some plays and that he'll never get the credit he deserves, like to get the head coaching job unless he goes to a team and like, calls the plays and turns around an offense and then he'll be able to get those opportunities he's looking for. I feel like people think, you know, he's in a perfect situation with one of the greatest offensive minds in football and, you know, a dynamic quarterback. So it's like people like how much is he really contributing? I get that. But like also there, and I'm, I'm really tired of people saying the whole, you know, he doesn't call the plays narrative because there's so many coaches that have been hired that didn't call plays, you know, just speaking of Andy Reid's staff specifically, um, Brad Childress in Philly, when he left to be the Minnesota head coach, he didn't call plays. Matt Nagy, uh, Doug Peterson, obviously both of them didn't call plays in Kansas City. Um, Matt LaFleur, uh, Zach Taylor, none of those guys called plays uh, before they were head coaches. So, like, I don't think that's it. And I also, like... I don't want to get too far into the weeds on like the black head coach thing, but I don't think that's as big of a factor anymore as people make it out to be like for him, hypothetically, like of all the jobs that were open this year, I think really the only one for a guy like Eric Bien that would have really been enticing of all places, I think would have been Arizona, just a place where he could have probably been autonomous because they had, uh, they fired uh, Steve Kahn, the GM as well. So, like, I feel like he could have gone there, worked with Kyler Murray, a dynamic uh, talented quarterback and kind of fresh start kind of thing. But everywhere else, I mean, I don't really think any other job would have been really a good fit for, for BNME besides there. Because, like, the Texans, pretty much we all knew D'Amico Ryans was getting that job. Uh, the Colts, why on earth would you want to go work for Jim Irsay after what just transpired this year with Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday? Um Carolina, like, who's going to argue with a Frank Reich hire? Like, that's just a really good, solid hire. He should have stayed the head coach in India anyway. So, like, this cycle, like, I get why people are questioning it, but also I feel like no one's bringing up the fact that, A, not calling plays doesn't really fucking matter, and, B, 
I mean, there are former players that have spoken out saying, like, he's kind of a dick, and that probably gets around to these people hiring for these jobs. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that's a good point, that his best fit would have been Arizona, where he could basically try to run, like, a poor man's air raid offense like they did in Kansas City in years past. But, like, again, is that really more appealing than your current job even? Like, that's my thing. Like, he's good where he is, and he may even be indifferent. Like, if I get a head coaching job, that's cool. But if not, like, I'm totally fine continuing to do what I do here. No, I don't think it's his decision he's not becoming a head coach. I used to think that, but now I don't. He's gone on too many interviews. Right, but we don't hear him speaking out like Brian Flores or anything. Like, I don't think we – like, that's the thing. Like, if it was really a serious issue, I feel like we would be hearing more about it. Yeah, I was going to say, because Flores, like, like obviously, like, the Bill Belichick text message thing, um, like, that was a whole different ballgame. Like, that he was blatantly just getting interviewed just so they teams could satisfy the Rooney rule. Um, with the enemy, yeah, I agree. I don't think he is staying in Kansas City by choice. I think, you know, after two Super Bowl wins in five years, um, yeah. five championship appearances, a Super Bowl loss, like, he's pretty much done everything he could possibly do there. I think he is – he does obviously want a head coaching job. So I'm not sure if there's like a handshake agreement when like Andy reads, like when I retire in a few years, like this job is yours kind of thing, but like go interview and see if you'd rather do something else. Like, I, I don't know what, what there is. Cause there was kind of that thing with uh, McDaniels and Belichick before he finally left, you know, like when he came back, it was kind of like, is he going to be the guy that takes over from Belichick? And then he went and took the Raiders job. Cause that's kind of a, I mean, face value, the Raiders' job was a great job when he got it. And he somehow just fucked it up instantly. He just <laughs> proved that he just cannot do it as a head coach. And, yeah, but the same thing with the enemy thing, though. Like, if you're Andy Reid, like, he could be waiting another three to five years still. So there's definitely something to it. Like, that is a fair point. They have two rings at this point. So if he can't get a job anywhere in the next year or two, like, it's definitely – you know, maybe a him problem. Yeah, that got to be like the perfect opportunity kind of thing. Do we have anything else on the NFL? Um, XFL, Vegas Vipers, that's my squad. I'll take the Sea Dragons of Seattle. Because Josh Gordon's on the team. Yeah, and Ben DiNucci. Oh, wow. Did not pick up on the DiNucci. I'm probably just going to have to go San Antonio Brahmas because, I mean, it's South Texas and in Spanish, so I'm just a sucker for that. <laughs> and Heinz Ward's the coach. God, I know. That was really the gut-wrencher for me, picking against Heinz Ward, but he, one, said some questionable things about Ben Roethlisberger recently, and two, I mean, Heisman Trophy winner Brett Hundley throwing to the best Steelers wide receiver of all time, Martavis Bryant. I can't pick against the Vipers. Yeah, and Vegas, and they're what, like black and red too? That's pretty sick. Yeah, big time. All right, well, there'll be more to come this offseason too, so stay tuned. I'll say we got the combines in two weeks. It may be. 
maybe live from the combine, us getting out there doing some drills to prove we still got it. I would say I'll do my uh, yeah. The NFL doesn't want these problems. I'll I'll do my top five position rankings. I'll start working on it. Got to get back in the film room. Got yeah. Got to get a mock draft going. Oh, that will for sure happen. But like, I hate doing mock drafts just because like the trades that happen. Like, I think there's at least two trades that are coming in the top ten for quarterbacks. 